0: Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. My guest this week is Arsh Singh. Arsh Singh is a very funny comedian who I know from Chicago. He has been all around the country, though, the country being the United States, if you happen to be listening in this country, if not the other country, which is my country the United States. Arish is a great comedian. He can be a very political comedian. I've seen him not shy away from confrontation in like dark not not in a sort of comedian destroys heckler way but in a in a dark material sort of way, which is amazing. And he and I talk about a lot of depression stuff in this episode, which you know, was right on time for me cuz we're in the pandemic and you know what? It's all, it's all coinciding. Wouldn't you know it? A big wave of depression is crashing over me. I have watched almost 30 seasons of Survivor in less than three months, I think. So that's that's where I'm at. All of which to say, uh, if you want to really boost my ego, you can uh, you can rate the show, you can review it. You can tell a friend about it. You can join the patreon, patreon.com/dave Marr to hear the full episode. There's a longer intro in that episode, and there's a bunch of other bonus content on the Patreon. I also want to thank my Pigeon Level Patreon supporters, Fred Fitawa, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, and Kurt Chang. Thank you all very much. If you want to read the transcript, follow me or Arish. You can find all that information in the show notes. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Arsh Singh. I grab your whip and take it back to shy-time. When I'm in town I treat and, it like and it'll be interesting uh, given the, <sighs> the cultural context here is you're at the gates of classic Christian heaven mm-hmm. and St. Peter's there. And the, you have a good name for this, but he's like, okay, Arsh Singh, there's a lot of you. Which, which Arsh Singh are you?
1: Oh. Which am I? And so I'm making my case to enter heaven. Is that the idea? You're not
0: making your case. You're trying to distinguish yourself from every other person with your name through history to narrow down which exact one you are. So he can see. He says, hey, you're already on the list. You don't need to convince me. But <laughs> but help me find you. Uh,
1: who am I as a person? Um, uh, I mean, I I strive to live genuinely as who I am um, and was probably super annoying uh, during various parts of it, but I think the annoyance was by trying to be super genuine about it, I guess. Um, uh, Yeah, I'd say like uh, you know, like avoiding wanting to be my own person and then coming around to it eventually, you know, like uh, uh, just trying to live sincerely. I think that avoiding that would, that would probably be how i i'd convince i don't know if I'm, I'm distinguishing myself enough but uh
0: um tell me the ways of avoiding
1: you know like i i grew up uh well i had this like really kind of serious episode of uh depression um like in my uh 20s after college and uh like i uh, I had to go through what's uh, ECT treatment, uh, which oh. is like the uh, mm-hmm. electroconvulsive uh shock uh, therapy. Um, Did it work for and, you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it it worked. I, sometimes I question if it was like absolutely the right thing I needed to have done, but um, but but more of the thing was like after that, ha- it, like it it tied it into me feeling like I had to go out and. Like I, I felt like I'd wasted a lot of time uh, in my life, and that I had to accomplish like this career path and things like that. And uh, I, I did like I went to grad school and did, uh, you know, a degree and everything, and got a job. But uh, then I, you know, I, I, I had issues and difficulties still with depression and other things. And um, I tried doing comedy like at 32 uh, and ran with it. You know, I feel like shifting from that was like a, a more sincere move to uh, whereas I felt you know like I was avoiding things a lot more or like living with these kind of just shames and burdens uh, just casting that off which was in the kind of situation I was in was was difficult so like I if I was gonna make my my case like I'd say that that's was an important thing that I did um, uh, yeah I guess I also just like had there's a lot of issues with me about um, shame about not going through like a like a professional path of some kind like like a really serious like you know i don't know like a lot like a lot of immigrants
0: uh, like lawyer so doctor like, the Yeah classics. lawyer doctor
1: engineer those are the three
0: paths basically right, or right, i right. guess there's,
1: there's the fourth path of being a professor of something you know but like um there, yeah. That was just kind of deeply rooted in me. Not necessarily like, I, I don't like want to cast blame on my parents or anything, but it was more like at a certain point, I just kind of internalized that a whole lot. And it was very mm-hmm. hard to get out of that. Um, because it, uh, yeah, I mean, that sort of depressive phase that I went through, um, it was really just very difficult. And like, I didn't see it as like, Oh, I got through the depression. Now things are better i saw it as like i've wasted all this time and
0: yeah the negative perceptions that persist after depression and like big depressive episodes like that are really fascinating to me this idea of like you think you've gotten through it and it's like oh you're supposed to be so grateful and yet now there's this whole other you know and and feeling behind is only one of the many wounds that can still exist after it you know uh yeah it's it, it just just the way that narrative is rarely clean in that way
1: yeah i mean it's there's a like a disturbing like there's a disturbing quality to it in the i don't want to conflate the two but uh i was reading about how in schizophrenia when people kind of go through a more lucid phase of schizophrenia where they you know they they're more in touch with their faculties than in touch with reality that's when they're more likely to commit suicide and it's sort of because Mm. they're looking at the they can see the big picture of things and that struck true to me like the problems are not the same that I face I don't want to conflate that at all but yeah yeah, I think that's something that you can kind of miss when you look at like depression versus like uh, things have resolved or something like that is like there's this burden to it resolving as well Mm.
0: do you hope happens when you die?
1: What do I hope happens when I die? Um, uh, I hope I've kind of lived the life that I wanted to, you know, like I've, I've done, I've carried out those instincts. Like I was saying, um, yeah I was living for these things that didn't really matter for me so much and I think when i i shifted uh away from that to a degree it, it uh yeah it improved the improved the outlook of what i it it felt much more real to me what I was doing like uh like I was living for things that were i didn't you know like it it seemed imperative to me to get on this path of like teaching having a job um and, you know, just like all these kind of like treadmill of success, of adulthood kind of things that I think are kind of irrelevant. So like living genuinely, I think, is is really important to me that like I lived a life that was genuine to me. So I hope that when I die, um, I've done that. Uh, I think you're trying to ask so, me about the afterlife, though. So
0: I, I think no, I'm really not necessarily. Thing. Not necessarily. You right? can't yeah. you can you can like, you know. Depending on people's points of view, people do tend to either go, I thought I was just asking about the afterlife. But I've asked this question enough times that I realize that there are people who immediately just go to legacy and uh, their loved ones. And that is a perspective that I envy because I think it's a more selfless perspective. It's like, what do you hope happens when you die? It's like, well, I hope my people are taken care of. And I'm like, oh my God, I had not even consider that <laughs> as an answer to this question but what are the values you know so you talk about living like authentically like authentically to or sincerely sincerely to what what are, in, if it's not success if it's not achievement if it's not cultural norms what are the values that you know, are
1: like you were saying be, uh, being good to your friends to your family to the kind of philosophical beliefs that you believe in doing things for your community that you think matter to you trying to, I mean, a lot of that stuff can get lost in terms of, you know, what's the ultimate thing, but like political engagement matters to me, things like that are really, and not doing it in a way that's, you know, phony or expecting like reward. You, you just have to show solidarity with people. And I think that's like pivotal. Like I hope, you know, I hope that, uh, I did enough. Like that would be something I'd I'd want to be, or I, I I did as much as I could. Rather, <laughs> like
0: okay, um, it's hard so that, that hard gets hard us up of to the stuff, yeah. that gets us up to the point of you dying. Yes. What about after?
1: After, yeah. Um, I so like so I, I'm I'm sick by background, and sikhism is kind of a little it depends on how you interpret it, but like a lot of it is you can kind of have this sort of Gnostic or mystic kind of interpretation that like, if you're reading the scripture and it says uh, the way that certain parts of it goes, like, you know, to speculate on it is you can't really say anything. All you can say is that it would please God. Uh, what That's the nature of the afterlife. You can't really know it specifically. So um, in a way, like I kind of, gravitate towards that kind of a belief of like it's more about living your life here uh in the now what comes afterward comes afterward and it's not so important there's also sort of the idea of like uh you know you you've come into this sort of individual status and you merge back with the greater you know if you want to consider it a soul or whatever you merge back into life of like the way uh a drop merges into the ocean or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and that that I resonate with also. Um, I kind of like the idea of like, your consciousness would continue and you could keep appreciating things, but then there's no end to that too. Like, I, or, or rather there is an end to that, I feel like. Uh, I, you know, that's not something that can go on infinitely, I don't feel. Or do you feel you
0: could? Keep I don't absorbing. know if I feel I mean I know that that you've hit on the crux of my panic when I re- when I really engage this question. Yeah. It's just yeah, it, it, the the I'm I'm very drawn to the mystical thing that you're talking about of like the unknowability, the mystery, accepting that the the inability, I mean talking about language and cognition to even think about what it could be and certainly express it in words the i'm very on board with the idea that like it is almost by definition impossible to say but in terms of consciousness i'm like yo i wanna i wanna i I just at least want to know it you know i don't want like the the idea of consciousness perceiving its own end that's what fucks me up hard for (laughs)
1: yeah uh well the way i sort of see it is you like i really enjoy finding things like i'd like to find out why things were the way they were right like let's say you could take your consciousness outside of your body and you can keep looking at things as they unfold through history and maybe you could find out the real reason why certain things happened or um you could have a better understanding of why you felt a certain way you did at a certain time or something like that but you can do that But like. At some point, that can't continue on. Like, I mean, you would have learned. Like, if you assume that it goes on forever and ever, it still. It just seems like you're just putting off an end. You know, like.
0: I mean, maybe, but you're. It's interesting because what you're talking about is backward looking. Like, you could also be like, well, yeah, but you would have consciousness that continues to perceive what else is going forward. But it sounds like you're the minute. Your the body is snuffed out. You're like, all right, I'm I'm sleuthing back through my own life. I'm gonna figure out what the fuck happened here, here, yeah. and here. Then I'm gonna go back through history. I'm gonna figure out what happened here, here, and here. Then what do I do? Whereas, like, or
1: or whatever history comes after me, you know, like sure, it's sure, still, sure. It seems like it's like there is some what I like about like I I think like that's a kind of very human thing is just learning and understanding more and more that's a very appealing thing and you don't want to lose that. Like, I think there's something fearful about losing that when you die Um, because so much of your meaning in your life comes from that. I think in ways Uh, just understand having a better and deeper understanding of things, but the idea of just letting it continue forever, I don't really think is the solution that people think it is.
0: You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something about that rings true.
1: Cause I mean, I think, I think there is some value in the idea of like also, you have letting go is a significant thing too. And I think that's, that, that hasn't appealed to me. So like that, the idea of just the natural death, no mystic kind of interpretation, just you become part of the, the very flaky kind of like, uh, uh, unitarian universalist we become stardust <laughs> kind of thing but, i mean it's not that flaky but you know like people also it's like a cop-out it sounds like you know, it's like, like
0: the type like, of people who use it are yeah, yeah, in yeah. some way sometimes yeah
1: and that's also people hate when i give that answer because they're hoping for some really mystic answer from me which i don't really
0: have to give them you know um, as like a representative of Sikhism.
1: yeah you know Sikhism or whatever they think i am or like Unless it's like a really uh, cute girl and I'm trying to talk to her further, maybe I'll I'll, I'll come up with something. But, you know, that's about it. Uh, Like, no, it just, that that stuff doesn't, like, the uh, Sikhism to me, like the major appeal is things about community values and like your responsibilities to other people, your connections with other people, that kind of stuff. But um, I I like the kind of idea of uh, the afterlife is like, a party or something where you see people you once knew and like you connect with them again or something like that, or you can keep connecting with people like that. That appeals to me as an idea. Um, but it, like everything I go through, it always just seems like a little childish fantasy. After <laughs> It's like if you, if you keep thinking about it, it just sort of falls apart.
0: Okay. So let's do funeral planning. All right do you have thoughts about what you'd like to, to have people celebrate or mourn however you want it to be?
1: Uh, I like for my family, I'd like, like a traditional kind of ceremony and stuff. Um,
0: I do like traditional ceremony,
1: uh, you know, traditional sick kind of rites and cremation, that kind of uh, thing. Um, uh, I, I I've been to a sadly a couple comedians funerals where it's a, like a big celebration, and I I do like it, but like I can't imagine seeing my family at that. Like that's kind of a horrifying right. picture to me because like I just don't think they would. Because some there's so much like I I I think they they're great like, but like it also. There is kind of a flippancy to some of this stuff. I don't know how do, I, if you have thoughts on this or not.
0: Well, are there ones that I would have known about that you... Are, are there ones that we've been to together? Who are you thinking of?
1: Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, a friend in New York in particular, like who's also of an Indian background. I was always just curious about how his family felt about the whole thing. Um, it might be just my my family's more uptight in certain ways, but... Uh, um, uh, there was a moment when uh, they were playing, they had music playing uh, during the funeral and uh, it was all music that this guy liked. And then at one moment um, bombs over Baghdad started playing, uh, which he <laughs> was a fan of. And it was kind of like hilarious for all the comedians. Cause it was just <laughs> like, um, it was, it was endearing and, and it, it had a uh, sincerity and authenticity to it. But like, I also don't know if I'd want that playing. My parents were in mourning or things like that. So,
0: Yeah, Um, the flippancy to me is like, there's such a fine line between true um, celebratory joy and this sort of like defensive flippancy that comes from like, it's like, okay, people are partying here because they tell themselves that by partying, they're actually doing what this person really would have wanted. But you can tell that in some way they're avoiding fully engaging with the loss. And I do – yeah, and I find that distasteful for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean there is a part of me that just really likes the whole – as comedy too is just like anything goes and just like hash it all out and like – yeah – Feel, but I, I also feel like there should just be two Ceremonies or something like that like
0: should Sure be... to- yeah 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 But, it, but it's, it is anything goes but Is it, it it's like The idea that it's like a roast right that it Like yeah. has to be some sort of roast And it's like that's actually not Anything goes that's Aggressive go You know the yeah, idea yeah. the idea that like A certain type of New York Comedian is the ballsiest Most like uh, dangerous person. It's like, well, you, you know, th- there's a whole, there are a bunch of types of human experience that they're not expressing by being <laughs> yeah. this like aggressive warrior type, you know, like. Um,
1: and then there's also like, are, are, I think you can do it and they're all like homages to the person. But then I think to, for some people, it just does veer into like doing time. Like they're just doing a set. And that is super weird to me. Like, I don't, I don't
0: know if I can. Oh, weird. So weird. And so, um, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the, the people, my, my experience of the like comedian wake things is like the people who always seem to be at them. Like, I don't even remember who the person is right now, but there's someone for Chicago comedians who everyone's like, yeah, he always shows up and no one knows, he doesn't. never <laughs> seems to be close to the person, and you're like, that yeah. is fucking weird, man.
1: It's weird, but then, like, part of me is also like, that's also life, like, that's also this weird world we were Yeah, behind. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a... <laughs> true.
1: Like, it is sort of weird that you want to dress up the world in this, like, I mean, I understand wanting to make it sacred, but then it's also like, this was part of what you were, too, you know, like, so I don't know,
0: or what the world around you was,
1: and and I don't like the idea of that. Like you're just trying to, you know, safety proof this moment or whatever. Like or safety proof like like the idea that you've passed. Um. However, people grieve about it. Like that, it, it should be something that also interacts with this world and is of this world. You know, like you have to, just has to blend into. It. I don't there, There's a sort of mentality that you go too far in the other direction where you just avoid talking about everything or, you know, you become too stern. So does
0: that make yeah, sense. Or? It does. So you would want a, this sort of split screen one, one for one for the family, one for the friends.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. To... You know, party at night, somber in the morning, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, don't know, I
1: just, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to hurt my family. Like that's, I guess, is a immediate concern that comes up with the the funeral rites kind of thing. So, because I mean, that would be like something I'd want them to draw comfort from, like that. I see that as a purpose of a funeral.
0: Yeah. Is it just there's just specific scriptures, or are there rituals at a sick funeral that that I might not? I mean,
1: yeah, there are certain kind of rituals that you perform, um, uh, and then there's certain kind of readings you do. There's flexibility in it also, though. Um, I would just want them to do whatever, like, put their mind at ease. Like, that would be important to me. And that, like – and if my friends wanted to do something where they just had stuff that also helped them work through it, but it was more, um, you know, more off the wall, that would be cool with me, too. <laughs> like, I just – I don't know if I want them mixing together necessarily. Like, that's a little bit – maybe that's not – that's a – a small concern in the scheme of things, but
0: yeah. My next question is more of a prompt and I'm going to ask you to pick one memory to relive as many times as you want, whenever you want. But the it's the, this is a, a feature of my last show is this proposal I make that like in the afterlife, you get to choose one memory. You're not, it's not that you're wiped of all the others, but you get one to like fully drop down into and relive whenever you want. So if that were the case, what memory would you choose?
1: Uh, Tough one. Uh, There was a, the person I was involved with, uh, and we were kind of at the beginning of the relationship in, a, we were in a, it was a car trip and we were just kind of, uh, we were just talking and there was just a lot of, I think what it, uh, its significance for me was how hopeful it was. Like, um, I think I was coming out of a kind of depressive period and, um, just talking and connecting with them Uh, just sort of like, you know, sharing, you know, discovering that we had certain things in common. Um, And like, I I don't even know if we were quite together at that moment, but like um, just a lot of it felt like it it just represents like hopefulness a lot. Like it it felt hopeful, like in that way. Um, and like it was something where like i think the way i remember it like the sun is sort of coming down and it's just like a very kind of pleasant car ride and
0: everything. are you driving west <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> into the sunset yeah just directly well, no to- <laughs>
0: where are you do you remember the direction you were no, driving? i don't
1: i don't i don't remember i don't i can't I just can't that it off. was
0: just that it was setting it was like the, yeah. the, the, you know, was the, the sun was
1: there, there and it's like you know beautiful kind of spring kind of uh uh, you know kind of summary kind of uh sunset clear sky kind of thing um,
0: how long of a car ride
1: um uh, I think it was like coming back from dinner or going to dinner something like that so it was but it was something like far away like it was like a special restaurant that was uh, a ways away from us. okay like we had but to not
0: quite road trips Status.
1: I'm trying to remember what it was exactly. I just I remember the the memory. Um, no, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. It was. It was something like about an hour ride or something to get to this particular place. It was uh, it was some restaurant like in like a small town in Iowa.
0: Okay, so you're still in Iowa at the time. Yeah. yeah. You. Where where are you at in your life? You're like you're still teaching, you're
1: uh this was like late twenties. Um so yeah, I was uh yeah, when I was maybe starting teach or yeah, around then.
0: Okay. And so the specific car ride is not the car ride out to the restaurant. It's coming back from the restaurant.
1: I'm I'm trying to remember this clearly and I'm not I'm not sure it's okay. if I'm getting it right. But like you don't I have think- to like it was more just the connection of like talking and feeling like after not being like, like life was going in a better direction. Like that sort of feeling, like as we were talking, like um, after feeling really depressed for a long time.
0: Do you remember what you guys were talking about?
1: Uh, I feel like we were talking about movies or something like that, but it was sort of innocuous at the time, but it was just like,
0: it was the feeling underneath it wasn't the content of the conversation.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just having, like, bouncing ideas off each other as we're talking and, like, seeing how things gel with each other, that sort of.
0: And it w- was it a date? You said you weren't sure if you guys were together at this point.
1: I think it must have been a date at this point. I don't think we were, like, together, like, long-term at that point. But it did go that way,
0: so... Okay, it does. I'm that. a little
1: hesitant, like about this memory because it doesn't like all pan out into like a romance that went on, and you know. Everything. That's okay. I don't like, think that's right? a reason
0: so, to be hesitant.
1: Yeah, so I, I but I also don't want to like. I feel bad, like if I'm divulging things or oh
0: yeah, yeah <laughs> about yeah.
1: this person that sort of thing. Like,
0: totally, like, totally. You I'm don't I'm need very to... happy
1: for them, and I'm, I'm I I don't want it to seem like I have some like regret about it. It's more like the moment has stayed with me, like that. that's yeah. it's kind of
0: like. And I'm and I'm fine with not like we don't need to like blow up anyone's spot. I'm just curious about like because I'm curious about what it did to you, you know. And I'm so the other thing about the restaurant is was it one of those? There's this shitty chain restaurant that's only an hour away, or it was you're driving an hour to get to this specific. Yeah, specific like kind of
1: fancy restaurant like that kind of thing.
0: Do you remember what it? What kind of food it was? It was
1: one of those like. Is it like wooden, the brick oven pizza kind of place? Sure, would have,
0: yeah. sure, okay. You
1: remember that crazy, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, and... Very early 2010s, I feel.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So living in that moment of hope and and possibility.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that. Okay. And like just thinking about that mem I mean, it's already one memory that I've relived because it's kind of just calming to think about, I guess. Like
0: Yeah, totally. Were you driving or were they driving?
1: I think they were driving.
0: Did you drive at that point or were you taking I don't think I had
1: a car at that point, uh, so that that was the thing, yeah.
0: Okay. I mean that's nice too.
1: Is that, we, is that is there like a deeper reading of that? If, no, that I don't think so. That? I just need
0: to this nice when you're in a car and you don't you don't normally yeah, live yeah. in a city, you don't normally have a car. That's yeah. that's a good feeling. <laughs> what's your coma? Which I don't know how much you know about me. Oh yeah, my, yeah. Okay. So you know that I was in this coma for a month you know, and there's, it, it creates this sort of before and after moment, as we talked about before with narratives, it's not like a clean before and after moment, but it's still there. And I'm curious, what is a moment like that for you? Big, small, whatever, where before you were one person after you, another, or before you were one version of yourself and then something got added or, or, or stripped away.
1: Um, I think maybe just starting comedy uh, was maybe a coma moment for me because I kind of threw away this kind of pursuit of that whole sort of professional kind of career values that, like, that'd been such a big thing with me, like, just since, like, my early 20s uh, through my uh, late 20s was just, uh, I need to, you know, just feeling all the shame for having this, um, this kind of these mental health things and like how it's like, I was so hooked into the idea that the only way I could get past them was to like overachieve or, um, build that career or whatnot. Um, and like, I mean, I think for me, like part of it was, I wanted to do something, um, Like it, like because I I delayed it so much, I had to I had to build like some big academic career or something like that. I just set myself up to fail in a way for what I was aspiring to, and uh, I kind of just it all burned down from a lot of pressure that was within me, and then I was just kind of you know in another one of these kind of depressive uh, cycles, and um, uh, comedy was something I just kind of. Uh, started doing, there was some, there's a local open mic, uh, where I was at in Iowa. Um, and, uh, I just started doing it. And, uh, it was, it was refreshing to do something like I didn't feel, uh, to do something I felt I did have a knack for, you know, like I, I'd always kind of put myself down as, uh, as, as I always thought of comedy as not being a thing, really, like not really being a skill. It was something that like, I'm not saying like I was some stellar comedy genius who was just blowing it off or something. I was just like, but like certain amount of comedy just came naturally to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I just felt like that was fine, but something like, uh, you know, doing music or, um, you know, painting or doing other kind of like some other creative art form. Like none of that is something I super gravitated toward. It just came um, like effortlessly for me, but like, like doing like the initial kind of comedy of like, just come up with a five-minute bit, uh, something that's just, you know, so open strong, close strong. Like, all of that was just really intuitive to me, and, like, mm-hmm. I could grasp it right away. Like, I didn't, you know, like, I was a, you know, lousy little latchkey kid who watched Comedy Central all day. Sure. You know, all all weekend and whatnot, and it just, I absorbed all that stuff. And uh, so, like, doing it and, like, people being, like, impressed by that, that was kind of refreshing after, like, having doing a lot of beating myself up and stuff and um, and then kind of running with that and then being like, why don't I try doing this in Chicago? At that time, um, I think Ian Abramson came through, like mm. where I was doing comedy and I was really impressed by that kind of like off the wall kind of absurdist style. And um, like, it just really struck a nerve with me. And I was kind of at a point where I could at least like, you know, I, may not have had the kind of whole professional success I was looking for, but I could have just like kind of stayed doing that and not done anything else. And, um, I am glad that I did comedy. Like it was fulfilling to me. uh,
0: And it wasn't a a (laughs) spur of the moment thing. It, I mean, if you're a latchkey kid, you're watching comedy central, there was something that was building up over time.
1: Yeah. I mean like people, would remark on me being funny or like I had that kind of status, like with whatever friend circle I was with, but, (laughs) you know, it's, but I also always blew it off as being like, this is not something that matters. Like I I just, it's just not a, it's not a real skill, you know, like a real skill is like being able to, I don't know, you know, (laughs) Memorize a bunch of useless information so you can get into medical school or whatnot. It's whatever,
0: um, you yeah, whatever you can't do. Yeah, whatever you can't do, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, I don't know. That's very similar to my experience of depression is like, yeah, uh, you value everything that you are not and cannot do and cannot be. 100%, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and, and there's kind of uh, like an afterlife quality, actually, to me doing comedy because I could have done it in that era like... Um, you know, if I had, if I wasn't doing all, if I didn't have all that, uh, you know, mental health, depressive stuff going on, um, like you know, that peak era of like, you know, maybe two thousand five to two thousand eight, when a lot of those, like the people who came out of Chicago, like, like the whole, you know, TJ Miller, whose career is going great, but he was kind <laughs> of like the, uh, the one they all swirled around, who they they everybody left with, uh, but like Kumail and Pete Holmes and all those guys, like, right. um. Uh, I could have done that, but like, I clearly didn't, but then I could also have not done comedy, you know, in that 2012 era around then, like I, I could have just not done it at all, but I did do it. And then, you know, I, I'm not, I didn't, I don't have like super stellar success with comedy, but I did get to go to like Bridgetown and I did get to meet some of those people. It was an interesting thing of like, you know, I felt I failed in so many ways and it was interesting to do this thing where I felt like I, I succeeded like and that had like sort of a full circle almost like going back in time and like doing something you wanted to do um that you have regrets over you know like it helped that sort of
0: feeling because better. that 2005 to 2008 window y- you had like a false start and we, you were like oh i should and you didn't pull the trigger
1: not necessarily it's, it's more like i was doing nothing i was in that depressive cycle i was all bogged down with these ideas of like, I have to get into, you know, I have to create a career,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, all this sort of stuff. Um, and you know, I could have, I could have just jumped in stand up, but I didn't. Um, but like that, I, I went through that path and st- I still came back and did something like that matters. I feel like that's significant, you know? Yeah.
0: Like, Was there an interaction at Bridgeport? Or not Bridgeport, <laughs> Chicago. But at the Bridgetown Festival, that um, that feels surreal in that way to you.
1: Um, like talking to Baron Vaughn was really cool to me. Like we went to the same college. Like I could have met him then and done comedy, but I, you know, I wasn't really into it. Plugged into it, and so that felt like very full circle. Um, uh and yeah it's just uh so this is kind of an interesting kind of weird I, comedy is blown up in such a way that like i think so many people have done it at this point like right, right, so my right. uh i i went. my kaplan uh i did comedy uh, he did uh we we were in a linguistics class together actually um i was uh he he was a, a grad student, but he was taking classes uh, at my college, um, and uh, we never knew each other. And uh, we were, well, we kind of knew each other, but we didn't really talk very much. But um, years later, I opened for him, like around that time, uh, around that same time, I was doing Bridgetown. Um, and that was like a full circle kind of thing. Like, what if I'd never done comedy? I and like you, you had these connections in the past, and bringing that together. I don't know. That that has some sort of Significance to me. Like, I like that's like, it's not like I I treat it like a spiritual connection, like God led us to this path or something Mm -hmm. necessarily, but like it just, it's something that like moves me or stirs something in me. Like that, like I don't, uh, when I think of things that are rewarding, like that's the kind of thing that rewards, is rewarding me. Finding, you know, something specific about someone else and you have a connection and it ends up some fruition later on, like that, that I like a lot. I, I think that comes also from, having bombs. Uh, now I'm just rambling. Never
0: mind. <laughs> but, no. Well, is there, how would you describe yourself post do, starting and entering comedy versus pre that feel, what's the, ch- what's the big change to yourself that you feel like other than having pursued a thing you wanted to pursue for a long time?
1: Um, just having that creative outlet and, uh, Going after it, like uh, not holding back um, because you feel like certain kind of hang ups about what you're supposed to do, or uh... yeah, uh, I don't know how to put it exactly. It's just, it's
0: Is it freedom?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's like a letting letting yourself be free, being able to. There's, you know, I I mean, I think there's there's being critical of yourself is valuable, but just like punishing yourself is not (laughs) worthwhile. And I feel like a lot of times I was just punishing myself for stuff, and this was something where I let um a part of myself out. I kind of took a risk, and it 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 worked out. I think Uh, and. I guess more like as I get older, like the stuff that matters to me is that like, at least I did this thing like that, having done it and being part of it, having like, like when I look back at comedy, it's not, I did this show and it was like, this really famous person was at it or mm-hmm. I was really famous as a result of it. It's like, I got to meet these people. I got to see what they were doing. I got to appreciate these really like funny things but also like beautiful things they do like getting to meet ron lynch was a huge like thing for me like um uh you know things like that like those memories like kind of stay with me very strongly like that's uh that's something i'll be happy about when i die i think like that's something i'd look back fondly on like in my last you know days or years or whatever
0: that's the show Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. If you didn't, you know, I relate to being such a masochist that you would not enjoy something and yet force yourself to get to the end of it. If you want to hear the full episode, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Transcript and social media information for me and Arish is all in the show notes. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week. Impossible, you can do miracles. Miracles, you can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.